So we're in this series, in this series uh, from the book of Proverbs, thinking about a portrait of wisdom. Proverbs is this amazing book written by mostly Solomon, uh, about a thousand years before Jesus, and it contains a massive amount of wisdom that is still incredibly applicable. And we've gone through over the past few weeks and we've thought about different kind of body parts just as a way of of getting a taster of the book. We thought about ears and the importance of listening, listening to input, listening to instruction, listening to rebuke and correction, but having ears to hear what people have to say to us. Then we thought about the heart. Remember Nathan uh, two weeks ago? talking about doing a belly flop onto God, just with all of our heart, everything within us, trusting in God. And then last week, uh, Tim spoke to us about the mouth and the incredible power of our words to either build up or to tear down. And we've got one more, and today we're going to think about the eyes. And there's a lot in the book of Proverbs about the eyes, a lot of things that we could uh, look at, no pun intended, a lot of things we could think about, but I really want to focus us in on one verse. Before I get to the one verse, though, let me read another one. I know that's cheating, isn't it? But Proverbs twelve fifteen says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. This is one of our biggest problems, I think, as humans, is that we don't see ourselves clearly. We don't see our decisions clearly. We don't see our motivations clearly. And so we're going to hopefully in this uh, time together look at one verse in the book of Proverbs that can be advice for us. It can be uh, a piece of input that will apply to every area of our lives. And um, well, before we turn to it, let me, let me just uh, paint a picture for us. Imagine that we're going to go on a road trip. And we're going to drive down the M4. Which way should we go? Where do we feel like? South Wales or London? Any preference? I'm I'm open to input. It's a given for some people. No offense to others. But we'll go with Dave's response because it was instant and facial. Let's imagine that we're going to go on a a road trip to South Wales. Okay, so we make our plans. Maybe we, we get our bucket and spade because there's some beaches not all the way along, but in some places in South Wales, right? Maybe we get our, was it £6.70 ready to pay the toll? Because you have to pay to get into Wales, that's how special it is. And maybe you get your phrase book so that you can speak like the locals and understand Araf and all those words that they paint everywhere. And so you, you prepare yourself for a trip to Wales. You've got your South Wales maps, you've got your bucket and spade, your phrase book. What else do we need? A hymn book, probably, to sing hymns? Uh, anything else? That's, what's that? Umbrella, yeah, well, that's everywhere. So, so we're all ready for South Wales, and it's our intention to go to South Wales, and we drive down the A350, we get to the roundabout, and instead of taking that first turning to go west on the M4, we go all the way round the roundabout, and we go third exit, and we go east, towards Swindon, and towards Hungerford, and towards Reading, towards Slough, and ultimately towards London, which I understand for some of you is an absolutely wonderful destination. But if your goal is South Wales, it's probably disappointing to at least to get to Slough, can we say that? And so what's the issue there? It's a very simple thing, isn't it? And that is that the, the path that you're on leads to a place. The, the pathway that you're on takes you somewhere. And the question to ask yourself all the way along that path is, do I want to go to that place? And it actually doesn't matter if you want to go somewhere else. 
You can have your car packed with everything you could possibly need for South Wales. But if you're on the path east to London or Slough, that's where you're headed. It's obvious, isn't it? The path you're on leads to a place. And the question is, do, you, do we want to go there? And in a sense, that's what this proverb is going to say to us. Let's turn to it. Um, it's actually a repeated one. And you might want to ponder, why would a proverb be repeated? I suppose there's two options. Uh, One option is that uh, God didn't do a very good job of organizing the book, and oops, it got in again. A better option might be that it actually works with the Proverbs around it, and it's part of a bigger thing. We're not going to get into that, because Proverbs, to understand the flow of Proverbs, is is a little bit beyond uh, anything that most people on earth can, can manage. I certainly scratch my head at times. But feel free to turn to either Proverbs 22, verse 3, Or Proverbs 27, verse 12. 22, verse 3, or 27, verse 12. It's a simple one, two lines. It says this, the prudent sees danger and hides himself. Sorry, I didn't give a page number. 544 will get you to Proverbs 22. Page 544. The prudent, the wise person, sees danger and hides himself, but the simple or the naive person goes on and suffers for it. Notice that these two lines are connected to each other. There's some contrast going on. You've got prudent, you've got simple, and uh, you've got uh, two different kind of choices that are made. But the connection is that uh, they're on a journey. There's an anticipation of the future, and one changes path. One gets off that pathway, hides himself, whereas the other one just carries on going. Now, I suppose if we were going to take the car analogy and say, you know, we've made all our plans for a wonderful week in South Wales, and we get on the motorway, and it has been done going the wrong direction. Anyone want to admit that? Anyone ever gone the wrong way on a motorway? Okay. Uh, Let's say you you go the wrong way. It's an unfortunate place to do it, because junction 17 to 16 is about halfway to Moscow, it feels like, if you don't really want to go that direction. But if you're going towards London, towards Slough, you get off and you go in the other direction. You don't just keep on going. And it seems ridiculous, doesn't it, that this verse needs to say that the foolish or the, the simple just kind of carry on and just carry on and suffer. They end up where they don't want to be. It seems silly, but when you start thinking about it in terms of everyday life, we actually all do that in various ways. Let's, let's think some specifics. How about your health? We all know that we need to exercise, And we all know that there are consequences to not exercising, but the vast majority of us struggle to break the habit of not exercising, right? We we, we have a destination in mind. In, in, In mind, we want to be healthy and we want to be, you know, age 70 and running triathlons or whatever, but but the reality is that we just carry on with our non-exercise programs and suffer for it. Think about diet. You might want to, to be as healthy as anyone you've ever met, but you keep visiting the fridge for that same snack. You keep dropping into the supermarket for the same thing. And you know it's not healthy. You know that it's even poisoning you, and yet you just carry on doing it. Almost as if, I can eat this, but this one isn't going to affect me. 
this donut isn't going to make a difference. And people come out with all these things, you know, a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips, and all that kind of stuff. And you go, I know, I know, but I'll just have this one. And, and you just keep on going. And come on, we can admit it, can't we? We're all fools when it comes to health in some way. Smoking. People who smoke know what it's doing to their lungs, but they just keep on going. It's like driving the wrong way and never taking an exit to go in the opposite direction. It's a place, a pathway that leads to a place, and the question is, do we want to go there? Is that the place we want to be? Think about academic or professional life. You may have all the best intentions of achieving the the highest grades to go on to the next level and then the the university and after Oxford to transfer to Cambridge for your master's. But if you're not putting the work in, day-by-day decisions are influencing your future experiences. It's all very well to want to achieve. But actually what we're doing, where we're investing our time now, leads us somewhere. Same thing in work. You may want to be promoted. You may want to get to the top position. You may want to get the highest paycheck in the company. But if every time your boss isn't looking, you're cutting corners and doing the bare minimum, it's a pathway. It's a habit. It's a day-by-day pathway that's leading to a place. Or worse, maybe you think, well, I can take that and nobody will know. And you get into the habit of helping yourself to the uh, stock room in the place where you work. That's a pathway. It leads to dismissal. It leads to disgrace. It leads to arrest. And yet people keep on down that pathway like fools going to a place they don't want to go. What about finances? Financially, I'm sure all of us want to be secure and to have everything lined up and to not be kind of smothered in debt. And yet it's so easy, isn't it, to just make one decision after another as if they're not connected to the future. I had to have it. It was on on sale. I had to have it, but it's okay. I I bought it now, but I'm paying later. Or I put it on the credit card, and and it's okay because they've just increased my line of credit on the credit card, so my, my limit's higher now, and it's fine. And it's easy to get into that trap, isn't it, of just going one step at a time as if each individual step is disconnected from a pathway that's actually leading us to a destination. I imagine that quite a few of us feel challenged by that. We know we're living beyond our means, but we just keep on taking the next step. And the pathway keeps on leading us towards that place that we don't want to be. What about relationships? You're single and you want to have a a really godly, wonderful spouse that loves Jesus and is ready to give up everything for him. And you can articulate that, you can verbalize it, you can pray about it. But then day by day, you can invest your energies into the people that come along, the people that don't measure up, the the possibilities, the opportunities, anyone that asks, anyone that's willing. And you can end up dating anyone in the neighborhood and wonder why you never get to that destination. Or you're married. And you want to have a healthy marriage and you want to be close and you want to be connected to each other, but you feel the drift And you keep on drifting. Present decisions influence future experience. The parent, you're looking at your child and you think, is this a child or is this a terrorist? It's three years old and it's in total control of the household. 
Something's not working. Something isn't getting through. The discipline that I'm doing is not connecting. And it's so easy, isn't it, to just keep doing the same thing. I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and one of the speakers said, if you want your children to turn out differently to everybody else's children, then you need to raise them differently to the way everybody else does it. It seems so obvious, and yet it's so easy, isn't it, just to keep on going, keep on doing the same thing. And then we act shocked when the 15-year-old is a terrorist, practically, according to the local police force. Because, why? Because they went weird at 14? Or because of the way we trained them when they were two and three. You see how it works? There's, there's a pathway. We're on lots of pathways. And every pathway leads to a destination. There's a, a, a pathway that leads to a place. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, do I want to go there? This proverb says that the prudent, the wise, see the danger down the road. And they hide themselves. But it's the simple, the naive, the foolish that just carry on, expecting different outcomes from the same inputs and wondering why things don't change and why they end up in a place they don't want to be. In one area or another, can't we admit every one of us probably falls into that second category? Health, money, work, relationships, somewhere in our lives, there's some place where we're taking the next step, the next step, and it's taking us somewhere we don't want to go, and we just keep stepping. I suppose the, the, the suggestion or the, the kind of the application of this is fairly simple. I'd say three things. First of all, spot the path that you're on. Recognize where you're going. Secondly, uh, get good advice. It doesn't say it in this specific verse. It said it in the other one. The wise people listen to advice. It says it all the way through the book of Proverbs. If you want to know how to have a healthy marriage, spot somebody with a healthy marriage and talk to them about it. If your children are kind of frightening you and they're only 18 months old and you see someone else who's raised children who are actually nice, you might want to talk to those people and say, hey, can you give us some advice? Get good advice. It's going to help. It's going to guide you. It's going to be useful. It's a privilege to be part of a church where that kind of thing is accessible. And so spot the path, get good advice, and thirdly, do something different. If what you're doing is leading you somewhere and you don't want to go to that place, then do something different. What does that mean? Well, practically, it might mean any number of things. It might mean that you go home and you take that stash of alcohol that's starting to get a grip, although you've not admitted it to anyone, and you flush it down the toilet. Or you go home and you take your credit cards and you take a pair of scissors and you destroy them before they destroy you. Or you go home and you unplug the TV and you either smash it or sell it or something because it's starting to get a grip and it's doing damage. Or you get that parenting book off the shelf and you actually apply what it says and see what difference it makes. Or or maybe uh, you go home and you put some accountability software on the computer so that your spouse and a friend can know what your eyes are seeing. Because you're trapped and you keep going back and you keep swearing, I'll never do it again, Lord. Please forgive me, I'll never do it again, Lord. And you need to do something different because it's not working. Maybe you need to go up to somebody in this church after the service and say, hey, uh, what Peter just said, I'm on a path and I don't want to be on it. Uh, Can I talk to you about it? 
walk in the light, bring things that are hidden out and say, this is going on in my life, this is going on in my relationship, this is going on in my parenting, this is going on in my thought life, this is going on in my workplace, and and I'm I'm scared because where it's going is not a healthy place, and bring it out into the light, and I tell you, no one's going to be shocked, no one in this room is going to say, no, you struggle, because we all struggle. Because in one way or another, every one of us is a fool who keeps on going down a path to a place that we don't want to go. It's true, isn't it? Let's be a church that opens up and, and, and is honest and vulnerable and says, hey, I, I keep losing my cool, or I keep uh, saying this, or I keep doing that, and I, I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling with that. Let's be real with each other. So spot the path you're on. Get good advice. Do something different. You know, you could keep that psalm, that, sorry, that proverb, at uh, the level of those kind of issues, money and relationships and kind of the everyday stuff of life, but actually it applies to everything, doesn't it? It, it applies to the biggest thing of all, which is spirituality. The whole Bible from cover to cover is kind of addressing the application of that one verse to humanity. It's saying, hey, you're on a path to a destination you don't want to go to. And if you're wise, you'll, you'll, you'll seek refuge, you'll hide yourself, you'll get off that pathway. Only the fools carry on and suffer for it. I mean, isn't that kind of the big story of the Bible? A rebellious humanity shaking our fists at God, saying we can do it our way, and God saying, I'll let you go if you really want to. But where you're going is godless, and it's horrible, it's horrific, and it's forever. And I'm going to make a way for you to come out from that path. I'm going to make a way for you to, to detour off. And that's what the whole Bible's telling us, is that God sent his son into this world to go to the cross 2,000 years ago, to die in our place. He didn't deserve that. He'd done nothing wrong, literally never thought, said, or done anything wrong. And yet he chose to go to the cross, to die in our place, to say, look, I love you this much and I'm prepared to die in your place to suffer the penalty for all the sin that you could ever hope to muster in your darkest moments. I'm going to die for that. All I ask you to do is to trust me. Hide yourself in me. I love that that, that, that image of hiding ourselves in him. In the Old Testament, various Psalms talk about God being like a a great mountain and like a big rock and and there's a storm coming and we can crouch uh, in the sort of crevice in the mountainside and he is our great protector. We can run to him and we can hide ourselves in him or we can carry on doing what we've been doing, which is to say, I can do life my way. I can determine my future based on my own efforts at goodness. And we can carry on like fools and suffer for it because the place where that leads is not a place where we want to go. You see, this this little proverb, incredibly practical, so relevant to, to what you do before breakfast, to what you eat at breakfast, to what you do on the way to work, to the way you act at work, to the way you communicate with the people at work. I mean, all the way through the week, you come home, there are the children. I mean, the whole of our week is influenced by this proverb and the greatest issue of everything, of our whole lives, of where we stand with God is in a, in a sense addressed by this proverb. You're on a pathway and it leads to a place. Do you want to go there? But before we finish the message and before we finish the series, 
I just want to take a step back from that and, and ask another question. Or, or say, actually, there's something deeper than that, isn't there? Because I suppose in one sense we could say, yeah, if we could just see where we're going and know the facts, we would make good decisions, right? But then we look at our own lives and go, well, now, hang on a second. Haven't we already said that we know how the food affects us and yet we still eat it? We know how lack of exercise affects us, but we still don't do it. We know what smoking does to us, and some still keep doing it. We know what that habit will do to your relationship with your spouse or your children, and we still keep on. Why is it that what we know doesn't translate into wise living? I suppose Solomon was kind of a classic example of that. King Solomon was... Uh, son of King David. And when he became king, God came to him and said, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. If you want to be wealthy, I'm going to make it look like the national lottery has got nothing compared to you. All right, if, if you want to have a collection of chariots, just name it. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, I want wisdom, which was an actually incredibly wise thing to ask for, wasn't it? And so he became the wisest man on earth. People like dignitaries from other countries would travel to, to kind of see Solomon's wisdom in action, to hear him presiding over cases, to listen to him talk about nature. I mean, he had it up here like nobody else has ever had it. He was Mr. Dr. Dr. Brain. I mean, he was incredible. And yet he blew it. How can the wisest person ever blow it? In Proverbs 4, verse 23, Solomon says something that, that really kind of rings a, a chord with or strikes a chord with me. He says, above all else, and it's a different version from the one we've got. I'll read this version in a second. But the way I've learned it, the, the one I've memorized, he says, above all else. That just gets my attention. If this is the wisest guy ever, and he starts a, a verse by saying, all right, I've said lots of stuff, but above all else, you kind of want to sit up and pay attention, don't you? Like, what's he going to say? Above all else, what, Solomon? What's the greatest thing? He says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart. Solomon knew that our brains are not the greatest thing in us. Our brains are not the biggest issue with us. Our brains are not the greatest key to success in life. Actually, there's something far greater for every one of us than what goes on in our heads. And that's what goes on in our hearts. Isn't that true? Why do we eat the things that we know with our heads are poisoning us? Because we want to. Why do we keep drinking that drink when we know it's going to destroy everything? It's because we want to. Why do we keep drifting away from our spouse and dwelling on somebody else's spouse or, or living in cuckoo land about something that is out of reach instead of giving ourselves to what God has given us to? It's because we want to. Our want to's drive us, don't they? And that's what Solomon's saying. Solomon's saying, above all else, guard your heart. Now, what does that mean? Well, for him, I think he learned that over time because the story of Solomon basically is that he started pretty well, had this incredible kingdom. I mean, he was living in the aftermath of all the wars that his father had fought, so he had no wars to fight. He had the absolute dream, golden age of Israel to rule over. 
And instead of just delighting in God and living for him, he took it into his own hands to secure what God had given him. I'll marry the daughter of that king and the daughter of that king. And that king's not very significant, but his daughter's cute, so I'll marry her too. And, and he's marrying all these women. And his heart went after these women, and then his heart went after their gods. And so by the time you get to the end of his life, Solomon is not, you know, Mr. Bible writer like he was earlier. He's not Mr. Responsive to God like he used to be. He becomes this very sad person who's drifted away from God. I wonder, I suspect, and I can't prove this, but I suspect that Solomon never learned to ride a bicycle. You may wonder how I know that. And there's all sorts of issues explaining that. But, but when you learn to ride a bicycle, one of the things you need to learn is that when your attention drifts, so does the bike. Have you noticed that? If you can't remember learning yourself, maybe you remember one of your children learning. Kayla learned most recently with us. And it, there's that moment that comes when you're helping a child on the bike. It's, I call it the back-breaking thing. You know, you're, you're going along holding the back of this bike and you have to start trotting in this most uncomfortable position and they're all kind of wobbly, you know, and, and then you let go. And they kind of keep going and, and, and you just want to do everything you can to help them and you're saying, keep pedaling, keep pedaling, don't look that way, keep look in front of you. And, and You know what happens when you look to the side on a bike? If you look left, where do you go? You go left. And if you look right, you look right. And, and you learn over time that if you're going to be a successful bike rider, you've got to keep your eyes straight ahead. Because where our attention is drawn, that's where our heart and our life follows. Look at uh, Proverbs 4 for a moment, just as we're coming to an end here. This is such, a, such an important principle. I don't think it's ever been called the bike riding principle. Uh, I'm pretty sure it hasn't because I made that up. Proverbs 4.23 in this version says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forwards. Maybe he did ride a bike. Let your eyes look directly forwards and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The first time I heard the proverb that we're looking at today preached was by a guy called Andy Stanley, who I uh, tend to enjoy when I listen to him. And he preached this about 10 years ago, wrote a book about it. They call it The Principle of the Path. And, and in this book, the way he says it is this. He says that direction, not intention, determines destination. The direction that you're going on, not where you want to go, but the direction that you're going on determines where you go. But then as he's going through it, eventually he says, but there's another issue here, isn't there? And he says, actually, we can boil the whole thing down to three words, attention, direction, destination. That's what we're saying as well today. That where our attention is focused, where our hearts are drawn, that's the direction we go in. That determines the path that we're on. And the path that we're on leads to a place and we have to ask ourselves, do we want to go there? What grabs our attention? What captivates us? What draws us away from the things that, that matter? 
That's a good question to be asking ourselves. As we're thinking about the book of Proverbs and kind of coming to the end of the series and then moving on uh, to other things, it would be good to spend some time prayerfully asking God, what's going on in my heart, Lord? Remember, we don't see ourselves accurately. And so it's better to ask him to show us. Lord, what's captured my attention in my relationships, in my workplace, in my uh, hobby time, spare time, in my thought life? What is it that's captured my attention? Because whatever captures our attention will direct the path that we take. Our hearts determine where we go. And so if we're going to learn from this proverb, if we're going to take on board the warning that it gives us, then it's very important that we don't just say, right, yeah, I must stop eating that and then just carry on, but instead go deeper and say, Lord, you need to do heart surgery on me. You need to help me to, to instead of being drawn away by this other thing, to, to give my attention to that which is most valuable. If you're married, give your attention to your spouse. Stop dreaming about somebody else. If you're a parent, give your attention to them and to raising them. Don't just dream about the moments when they're not there. If you've got a job, give your attention to doing your job as unto the Lord. If you've got a body, give your attention to being healthy as a good steward of it. But bigger than all of that, behind all of that, The biggest issue of all, we need to give our attention to what it means to be in relationship with God. And I suppose really there's two categories of us in this room. There are are some of us who are in a relationship with God and some of us that aren't yet. You'd say, well, I'm intrigued, maybe, kind of, not sure, but not certain. If that's you, if if you would say, I'm really not sure about all this relationship with God stuff, I would say, as much as the other bits of advice from this message could be helpful, I would say to you, put them all aside and focus on the big issue. Focus on who God is, on his love for you, what he's done in reaching out for you when he sent his son to die on that cross as the ultimate statement of your value. Ponder that, think about that, because everything else... Is temporary. That is forever. If you were created to be in relationship with him, everything else is for now, but that's forever. And that's the thing to give your attention to. To get advice, to hear from others, to, to see what the Bible has to say, to get your questions answered. And instead of going on the path you've been on, to do something different, to hide yourself in him. To discover what it is to say, God... I can't do this without you. I've I've tried and I've failed. I cannot navigate life without you. I've never been able to get to the place where I feel clean, where I feel purposeful, where I feel loved, and where I feel like this is what I was made for. And to come to God and say, God, you're the one that's got the answer. You've got my attention. Here am I. I'm yours. Let's talk. If that's where you're at, that's the important thing. If you have that, if you are a Christian, you say, yeah, I'm, I'm in God's family, then by all means apply the other stuff as well that we've talked about, health and finance and relationships and work and so on. But keep in mind that all of that stuff is secondary to the big issue. All of that stuff tends to fall in place when the big issue is sorted. 
And you might say, well, yeah, I became a Christian in you know, May 19-whatever. Great. But how's it going? Because your Christian life isn't just a moment of decision. It's a path. It's a journey. It's a pilgrimage towards a destination. And I know from experience that it's possible to be on that path and to be thoroughly distracted to be looking left and looking right and, and living for things that are very much now and sometimes things that are very much nonsense. And to be doing that while all the time there's God who wants to be close. And maybe you'd say, actually, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm drifting. I'm not in a good place spiritually. And where this is leading, I don't like. This could be destructive. It could be harmful. It, it could be just really negative I don't want to go there. I want to get back on the pathway with God. Recognize the path you're on. Talk to somebody else. Get good advice. Do something different and walk with him. Because that's what he invites us to. That's why Solomon talked about guarding our hearts. Because whatever captures our hearts will direct our paths. And whatever paths we're on, they lead to places. And it's only the most naive, who continue to live with the idea that what I do today has no bearing on what I will experience tomorrow. You're on a path. You're on many paths. Those paths lead to places. Do you want to go there? Let's pray. Father, we, we are a community of of, of people who are living all the complexities of life and just feels like we can multiply examples of, of where we can struggle. Areas where we can be foolish or simple, where we can be naive. I pray that you would free us from this very, very human tendency to think that what I do now makes no difference to my experience tomorrow. Help us to be wise enough to see that the pathways lead to places. And Lord, we pray that for every one of us, you would stir within us the kind of desire that it takes to hide ourselves instead of marching on to danger. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's kind of in a danger zone in some area, maybe financially, maybe maritally, maybe in the workplace, maybe morally. Maybe they're marching down a path and this might be the message that's needed to, to just arrest their attention and to say, wait, stop moving in that direction. I pray that they would have the courage to trust you and to trust one another, that we could talk with one another, that we could be real about the struggles we face. Lord, protect us from going too far down roads that we're already on. And Lord, I pray for the big issue. I pray for those that haven't got a relationship with you and they're on a road to a destination nobody wants to go to. I pray that you would make it by your spirit so that they can't think of anything else until they get that issue right with you. And for those of us that are in your family, Lord, sometimes we can have lots of things lined up, family and money and life circumstances, but we can just feel like there's this drift from you. And that's a path we don't want to go down. Draw us back to you. Give us a closeness with you individually and as families and as a church family, we pray that there would be a vitality in our walk with you 
that it would show in every area of our lives. And so Lord, help us not just to sit here and agree with a message and walk away and do nothing, but instead help us to be the kind of people that with your help, by your spirit, take the steps that we need to take. Do the things differently that need to be done differently so that our lives can bring a smile to your face. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.